This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, we are bringing you sort of an interesting conversation, I have a feeling, on hiring the right people, and we have Kevin Milderek, co-founder of Ideal Traits, to just basically tell us all that they have going on, and we're going to pepper him with some questions, and at the end, I have a feeling you guys are going to like what this guy's got to say. So, Kevin, what's going on, man? Doing pretty good. How about yourself, David? No worries, man. No, no concerns right now. Other than, um, well, I, um, found out while we were recording the other podcast that the jeweler that I took my relatively priceless, uh, Atocha coin to that was recovered from a shipwreck off to the coast of Key West was broken into three pieces while they were handling it. Ooh, so I'm wow. not very happy about that right now. My ideal yeah. trait would be pissed off uh, at this point, <laughs> but, um, Anyhow, so how we'll see that how that happens. How do you how do you break a coin into three pieces? Uh, because Kyle, it was on the bottom of the ocean for a couple hundred years, and it was originally minted in 1548. So okay, there, but that. I mean, okay, but it, was it not in a a bezel before? I mean, it was. I, I don't understand exactly what happened. I I actually saw the several paragraphs my wife was writing to me on Messenger trying to explain. And I just said, I don't care how it gets fixed. It gets fixed. Like I'm, I'm going to be in Key West on Wednesday or Thursday of this week, leaving Wednesday evening. And that's supposed to go with me. So however, this guy's going to solve the problem. Yeah. I'd either get on a plane and go down to Mel Fisher's place in Key West and get me a new one or figure out a way for them to overnight it. So that's, that's where we're at. So how did you get this coin? I bought it. It is that you collect them? Is that now? So it's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it goes back to my very specific visualization that I do when I set goals. Like I always identify what I want to get as a reward, and then I set the goal to get that item. And so I'm very, very specific. And so two years ago at spring break, my wife Andrea and I and the kids were down there, and we stumbled into this store. And we noticed that they had all of these coins and it's like, wow, this is actually really pretty cool. Like this, because there's a lot of shipwrecks and diving and stuff in the keys. Like that's, that's a yeah. known thing. 
And the Atocha is the biggest, it's the most well-known one. So I say priceless. It's not priceless. It's just not cheap. And I'm not happy yeah. because of that. So I can get a replacement. I can get one that looks similar, but it's not going to be the one that I originally bought. Eventually I'll get over it. So we go in and we talk with this lady and I told Andrea, I'm like, you know what? If I hit the number I want to hit next year, I'm going to buy one for me and I'm going to buy one for you. And then that'll be our deal because We'll have the coin. It'll be close to our heart. Key West is close to our heart. You know, we each have one, blah, 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 blah. And she's all, she's all on board for it. So fast forward, hit the number. We happened to be down there in January. We were going to wait until spring break, but we had a, a free day in January. I'm like, let's just go get the coins right now. So we go in and we're talking to this lady who's in there and the lady is old. Like, I'm not saying that to be nasty. She just is. She was in her eighties easily. And she's hunched, sort of hunched over the display case. And it's one of those things where you you get you get checked back into reality pretty quick, right? Because I'm sitting here and she wants to give me like the minting history who like right. I felt like she was going to give me a chain of custody of everybody that ever held possession of this coin at some point. <laughs> we were we were getting into such detail. And I like I actually out of the corner of my mouth told my wife, I'm like, come on, lady, I've already you've already got me convinced to buy it. Just sell me the coin and let me get out of here. I got other things I want to do today. We she wasn't having it. And so she goes through the story and she begins to tell us she actually dove the wreck and she recovered a number of the coins that were in the case. And that Mel Fisher, the big treasure hunter in Key West, actually gave her away at her wedding. And it showed and she shows us her wedding album, and it's got. Yeah. Mel Fisher giving her away at the wedding. And and like now I'm elbowing my wife talking out of the corner of my mouth saying, I think we're talking to the old lady from Titanic here. Like this is, <laughs> this is what she reminds me of. And so we ended up buying the coins and came back. And then I set myself, I set another goal for myself in that I wanted to have a custom diamond bezel created to go around the coin that I was going to hang on a, on a, on a chain and wear it around my neck. So there's the quandary we're in right now. We paid, I paid yeah. to have this custom bezel created. There was my coin was going to be mounted in it and go around the, my, the chain on my neck. And now my coins in three pieces. So that's the whole story. That's well, it. you know, I, ironically, so uh, me and my wife and my kids, we just actually got back from a mission trip in Costa Rica Saturday. And so my wife says, you know, Hey, we're not going to bring any jewelry down there. You know, we're going to be in pretty much a rough part of town. Um, she leaves her ring on the dresser. We come back and the, her wedding ring is gone. Ooh. We've been married yet 18 years now. And she does as of right now, this happened Saturday. So you just, it's ironic, something similar, but she's without a wedding ring. So she is not happy about that right now. So we don't, we don't know the answer, but we might have an insurance claim. <laughs> oh, you know, and that's Yikes. the thing that's that's the thing that's tough, man. Because even if you do have insurance, it's not the same thing, man. You lose the sentimental oh, value of it for sure. She's mm -hmm. like, I don't no. want any other ring. Like I want that ring. You know, so it's so hopefully somehow it shows up. You know, like the cleaning lady was the only one there, and she's like, I she's our neighbor. I saw it. I saw it there day one, day two. You know, she did not see it the next day, but. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but mm, not nice. good. But the Keys is uh, is an awesome place. We, we've got a place in Marco Island, and I'm, I'm heading there Sunday with my daughter from Sir Trek for eighth grade. And my cousin's meeting me down there, and I bought a boat three or four years ago with the extension, like, now I can take it to the Keys. It's big enough. 
And we talked about going literally this week. Maybe I'll see you there. <laughs> you know what? If you did, you're going to see 130 of my closest agent friends with me because the reason we're down there is for my annual conference that I throw called Producers in Paradise. Nice. So there will be a whole bunch of people in Key West. Um, some start landing Wednesday night. Those are the people that probably need to figure out what their priorities in life are because you don't need one more day in Key West. But um, right. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we'll be down there for four days. And then um, everybody leaves and comes back Monday. It should be a really, really good time. So I will tell you, if awesome. you are there, Feel yeah. free to pop your head in. Um, we will be meeting on Friday and Saturday from 11 to 3 at Dirty Harry's right there on Duval. That's where we have our mm. breakout time and talk about uh, that's where our keynote speakers speak and everything. So it's going to no, be uh, no smoking tuna. No, no. I've, I, um, we did this deal with uh, Dirty Harry's and it's actually going to work out pretty well because it's undercover and they've got yeah. a stage with the screen so we can have audio video. Um, we've got the tree bar right there. If people want to yeah. get their drinks from that. And then over on the other side, Angelina's catering. Oh, so it's going to be, oh. it's going to be downstairs at dirty Harry's. It's downstairs at dirty Harry's and the food's coming from uh, Angelina's. The pizza, so. Nice. It's not like, yeah. it's like the tuna was a bad setup. It was just for sure. Hot as shit. Well, it was hot. And the problem was too, it was too loud with the music. Now yeah. dirty Harry's is yeah. closed during the day. So we have the right. whole thing. Anyhow, look, we uh, can talk about yeah. Key West and Atocha coins and, <laughs> In inland marine claims and bad jeweler jewelers and all of this <laughs> other stuff, but let's talk about ideal traits, man. Talk a little bit about sort of before we get into it, the background and and how you came up with the idea and how we got to where you're at, and then we'll sure. go from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll make a long story short. That, that it, it used to be a short story because I I don't feel like I'm aging that quickly, but you know, you wake up and boom, I just turned fifty. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, it started really out of college, and my plan was to be an attorney. Like I was going to be a, a lawyer. I graduated a little bit early in December, nine months before law school, and I was sitting there like, "What am I going to do?" I was working in a, in a law office for twelve bucks an hour. I'm like, "Well, this ain't going to cut it." And I kind of looked at my car and like, you know what? My car's that's a piece of crap. Like I need a new car. And so, how am I going to get a new car? I'll, I'll go work for a car dealership. That was my plan. So I go interview the first three car dealerships and they said, no, you're a kid. You've never been in sales. I go to the fourth one. They give me an application and an assessment at the door. And so that's kind of the foreshadowing. I take the assessment. I go into the, you know, the interview and they say, well, this says you can sell. And I, and I never had a sales job before. And I'm like, well, I know, right? I think I can sell too. And so I got the job. Six months later, after selling right out of college, I was top in sales and they moved me up to a management position doing special finance. Then I went to finance, new car manager, and then 13 years later, ended up at general manager there. And then at that point, my son was born. And when he was born, that changed everything. I mean, the hours at the dealership were crazy. And so I was like, you know, I gotta figure something else out. I like building a sales team. I enjoy that. I know how to do it. And it's all really because of the owner was a great mentor. Um, but part of the process was every single person who got hired at the multiple dealerships that he owned had to take personality assessment. Didn't matter. Your porter, general manager, body shop, service, parts, office, doesn't matter. You take it so they know, A, if you're suited, you got the right traits you know, for the job. 
you're suited for it. Or sometimes they apply for one job. It's like, no, this is actually the perfect fit for this other role. So long story short, after one year, it's like, that was my plan. My goal, as you would say, David, you know, and like is to get out in one year. So I started figuring out what I wanted to do. And I had two options. I looked at being a stockbroker and then I looked at insurance. There was a an Allstate agent that would call on the dealership. She'd come in, Deborah Pamman, later found out she was the cat lady and she had like 12 cats in her office. <laughs> so that was kind of odd. I'd never been there, but- um, that God, I can't imagine what that smells like. Oh, I don't even, yeah. Like I, I don't have, I'm not a cat fan, but anyways. Um, That's yeah. foul. So, Ended up, um, it's like, well, listen, do I want to try to get, you know, a million dollars out of everybody, you know, as a stockbroker or do insurance? And quite frankly, it's maybe weird to say, but I guess I went up the easy route. What I thought is, yeah, do home and auto. But the cool thing is you could do financial too. So I opened up my first agency in March of 2007. I had no staff, just me and my wife. Started with one employee. How did I do it? Same thing I did at the dealership. Add out there, a personality assessment. I find Isaac Whitney. And month one, we write 60 items and we're top in state for new agents and became new agent of the year. And one was good. And I was like, well, one is good, then two is better. And I'm not that smart, but and I, I like simple math. And I love the thought of the reoccurring revenue of insurance, right? I mean, that's why we get into it and the mm -hmm. numbers get really crazy. So it's like, well, I'm gonna keep hiring. So I had five at the end of the first year, opened up another one. So I opened up an agency in 07, 08, 09, 11, and 14. Um, started gaining notoriety across the country because we ended up all the way at the top, thanks to the team, right? It's not me, I can't. No one, one person can do all of it. So we had a great team that did that. And then they asked me to start speaking all across the country. What do you do? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to have great staff or nothing's going to happen. You know, that classic Jim Collins book, Good to Great, right? Got to get the right people on the bus. So we found the right people. And, you know, there's still some bad ones you have to get rid of. Um, but I wanted to take, and I think what I taught so many agents is really more taking a logical approach to hiring rather than an emotional one. Super easy to get emotionally and, and hire someone. I've got this empty chair and I need somebody interview. And my expectations and ours would say is like, I hope this one works out well. I mm -hmm. hope they do because we want it to work or we wouldn't take the time to interview them. And we start asking questions and we start maybe smoke in the hopium that it's going to work in, but we, you know, you, you ask this questions and even if it kind of hits you sideways a little bit, you might like, yeah, I probably didn't mean that. She probably really didn't mean that. Maybe I need somebody. And hence it could lead to a bad hire emotionally, which is super expensive. So, you know, just taught agents in our process today too, is to make a logical decision. So no more rather than knowing less. And the cost of a bad hire is ridiculous, super expensive. Mm -hmm. So save people, save agents time and effort and money. They're not bad people. They're just maybe not suited for the role that you're looking for. And um, 
you know, Ideal Traits was really was born from that out of the need that I heard from the agents when I say personality profile test. And they were like, what? What's that? I've never used that. You know, a lot of insurance agency owners, um, I don't think they got into it to hire to create a team. I think maybe like me, they instantly thought I'm they they and they imagine that all the desks are full and all the phones are ringing and people are coming and they're just in the middle of it and they're doing it. But as you guys know, like it takes a lot to get to that point. And so now I've got 26 people on our team and they think we're crazy, but we all that's all we do. We help agents hire, you know, the right person. Yeah, I thought your point about the emotional versus logical um, is something that probably gets overlooked. When I was selling office supplies at the beginning of my career out of college, super high turnover, right? Like, I mean, we had an office of 20, 30 people and that number would fluctuate because, I mean, it was a 100% commission. We were doing B2B sales for office supplies um, and the hours were kind of crazy. I mean, we'd get to the office at seven in the morning-ish and, you know, be out selling from 8.30 in the morning until 5, 5.30, and then come back to the office and, um, you know, do our wrap up and so forth. So it was, it was a lot. Um, but we were constantly interviewing because, you know, because of the turnover and you would get, um, you know, like in order for us to open up more offices, we obviously had to hire more people. So you would start right. to get a little bit, um, not desperate, but you would, like you said, overlook some certain things that, you know, maybe um, could have been red flags or you hold on to the one thing that was like maybe a little bit good or that you had in common with that person. You're like, yeah, all right, I think we can make this work and, you know, we can we can maybe mold them and get them, you know, to what we want them to be. But that's not always that's not always the, the best method or how it works. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, so true. And um, ironically, so probably about, well, eight, seven years in um, hiring, because still, I mean, I always believe in always be hiring. I mean, you know, you, you can find a spot for great talent. I'm myself hiring more salespeople. And I get, you know, two people that apply. One is Matt Saint. He's 20 years old, zero background. He's got nothing. His only job is legitimately McDonald's at 11 bucks an hour. And at the same time, then I'm interviewing my cousins. Like he sees what we're doing. He's like, man, I want to jump on that train. That sounds good. College grad, great grades, managing a physical therapist's office, doing fantastic. And it's like, listen, I, you, I grew up with you. You're my cousin, but you have to take the assessment. I pass on Neil, my cousin. I hire Matt Saint nothing but McDonald's and a great test score. And again, it's like, I was it's like, I have to admit, I was hesitant too, right? But bring them in. It's like, this kid's got something. I mean, there's something inside of them. And long story short is he purchased my agency, 28 years old now, last year. And he bought my three, my last three offices together. Married, wow. three kids, new home, two cars. And it's like, I, I literally have the chills right now just thinking about what it what we can do as agency owners, not me anymore, past, but helping others, right? And passing it on and creating great lives, not just for ourselves, but for others is um, super rewarding and to be able to do that. So every one of my agencies I sold to my staff, 
And um, it, that's been that's been great to watch that perpetuation. How much pushback do you get? Because I mean, I've got to believe knowing knowing my peer group that if they in their mind feel like they oh I got a good gut feeling about this person, but your your report says otherwise. Yeah. I mean, what's that conversation sound like? Because I'm of the mindset that if I made the decision to buy your product because it's supposed to do better than what I can do with my gut feeling, and you yeah. give me a report that says this is all these are all the reasons why this is the right person for you to bring on board, I'm gonna take the report and run with it, man. I mean, I'm gonna blame you if it doesn't work out, not my yeah. gut, right? But right. I feel like there's probably I would I would guess that there's probably a chunk of people out there who probably have to stick their toe in the water and let it validate itself first before they're going to get a hundred percent on board. What's that, what's that dynamic look like? Super good question. You know, we get that often. And the first thing that we tell our agency owners is number one, assess yourself, your staff, and whoever you want, your friends or your family. And so you personally can feel more comfortable with the outcome. And it's just a great way to familiarize yourself with it. So we can't, we couldn't have grown to help out 14, almost 15,000 agencies if it didn't work. Like, I mean, you, we get referrals and validation. Um, and we actually have a validated test with all of the 300 page report behind it showing, you know, the validity behind it at a 93.7% validity. And the reality is, David, it's like, it's just, you're ask, you're answering the questions and it's just giving a report back on what you say, right? So, I mean, you're asking, if you ask a salesperson, you're applying for sales, anybody is allowed to apply. They could have any prior background. They may not be suited for it. And you, they, 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 it's hard for them to get out of their character because it will show where someone is inconsistent across the board. And so if you have a salesperson and they're not saying I'm most persuasive, I'm most convincing, and I know this might sound obvious, but they just can't get to the end of the test without showing true colors. You read the report. We Our, our first thing we tell everybody too, maybe it's the second thing, is Read it, have the person who took it read it and say, what do you think, right? Say, you know, how do you think it fits? And they're just like, well, I kind of like all the good stuff there. Maybe not the bad. Because <laughs> it'll show, you know, the strengths and the weaknesses and then also opportunities in how to help manage them. So, but I, I think the proof, I, I think we proved it out, you know, over the years for sure. And we've got billion dollar corporations that are endorsing it and paying for it for their agents. Like they'll pay half for any hand raiser uh, to do it. So they have vetted this thing out. Oh my gosh, like a year worth of vetting. Hmm. So valid question. It's a good one. And then I think the last thing I would just say is it's hard to get to go against your gut. David. I totally get like you just, you get this gut. I've been doing this for years. Like I can, I, I know, right? And what we try to do, it kind of goes back to the logic versus emotion is do the test first, read it, look at it, and then decide so you don't get too emotionally attached to someone who 
doesn't quite have the same characteristics as your top producers, or they don't line up directly. Now, again, they may line up in a different role for the agency, but knowing more than less, like how can we deny that knowing that one, the assessments with our factor are unlimited. You can use as many as you want. And we did that intentionally because we didn't want people to, you know, put too much of their own gut into it and say, I'm going to talk to these 10 people. And now I only want to give three of them because it's expensive. Each test is expensive. Like, no, no, no. We want to help you do all 10, all mm-hmm. of them, then take them to the next step. So I wouldn't recommend saying, take the assessment, hire them on the spot. Of course, right? It's the beginning. It lets you know they have this ingredients. And then it's this clay that can be molded into a beautiful base. It can be turned into artwork. You've got the ingredients there. So that's kind of, you know, our, what I would say about that. So there's obviously tons of different companies out there that do the personality tests and all of that. Like what makes you guys different? Yeah. So we have keep building and building on it. When we first started, that's all we were. The nucleus and still is, is the assessment itself. Right. Mm -hmm. So then what we did is we built on the advertising piece of it where we have job ad templates so they can literally point click and create a job ad. You know, no one likes to sit down with a blank piece of paper, write a job ad, you know, and they've changed. So the job ad that worked in the past, even a couple of years ago, doesn't work now, won't even get picked up from Indeed. They'll flag it. There's a bunch of different things, right? So creating that job ad and then with five clicks, you're at the five biggest job boards. And then with aggregators, you're really out to about 100 different sites. Reality is that um, you, you know, you're only going to get action probably from the top five and not the remaining 95 that are the bottom feeders. So we've got that piece on it. And then a full applicant tracking system, move them along, email them back, templates. We've got Zoom integration to set up Zoom group interviews or individual interviews. Um, And then the latest that we just launched this year is we do one-way video interviewing. Great way to do it where I can send you one link, five questions, and it's just right on your phone. Like, why do you want to be in insurance sales? Click, record, stop, next question. And so Hmm. that gets sent right to you. And in 10 minutes, you've got five answered questions on video. Um, and then we, you know, we do an extra, some custom stuff. Like if you want us to write the job ad, or you want us to call the candidates and get them engaged. So we do some beyond that. So I, I think to circle back to your question is, I think that we've become, and our goal is to be the insurance hiring platform in more of a suite rather than just an individual assessment. I'm not here to bash any other assessment. I think everybody should use some assessment. And ours just happens to be insurance niche and specific to insurance in kind of the beginning all the way to the end. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, God, for the turnover that you see at a lot of agencies, it makes all the sense in the world to have a niche specific to our industry to at least try and stop the bleeding as much as we can in you know, how I guess let me ask a, this this is kind of an off the wall question a little bit, but um I'm trying to think of how I can say this this that it doesn't sound like a gotcha question. Go I guess for it. 
I guess me just telling you my intent is not to put you in an uncomfortable position, but I do think I do think the question's valid. How much of a threat do you think uh, agencies starting to adopt more virtual assistants and virtual professionals is to what you do specific to staffing agencies in the traditional manner? I would encourage it. I, I have no problem. We have four VAs from Savitel ourselves. Well, thank so, you for that. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you know that or not. I'm a partner in Savitel. I do. I am aware. Okay. Through Troy, yeah. So Got it. I think virtual assistants are fantastic and we take advantage of them ourselves. With so my question, here's the, here's the, here's the softball that I was throwing you. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying this because you did a bad job of answering the question. <laughs> what I, what I, what I thought you were going to tell me is, well, David, why wouldn't you run your VAs through ideal trades to make sure they're the right candidate? Right. Yeah. Like how many people actually do that? So we, I've talked with Monica about that in, in Troy, that I we should. And it, I, sh I should even back up because I'm not running that that department, but we sure. have this customer um, um, candidate engagement department and where we use the virtual assistants to further engage and take over where agent says I'm too busy. So we'll have them call up to three times, email three times, let them know this is what David's looking for. It looks like you're a fit. Now take the video interview. And so we sift through 100 candidates and we hand you 10 videos of the top candidates to move it along. So that's how we use them. We've used them in other projects as well. But um, yeah, I mean, we use virtual assistants. And as far as in an agency, there's a lot of different roles. You know, there's always going to be, I don't see personally a super, you know, thriving operation that is all through virtual assistants. I think you're going to have to have, you know, professionals here in your office. Yeah, no, I, I think that's accurate. I think, I think yeah. that's fair. I mean, I can't imagine ever having a hundred percent of my nucleus, which that to me, the service department is the nucleus of the agency. It's not sales. Yeah. I can't imagine having all of that sourced offshore um, or even, remote for that matter. There still has to be a core group here for me to have a level of comfort. Right. But I do think that it would be interesting. You know, a lot of times I feel like, and I could be wrong, but you know, look, I hear everybody talk. I'm in all the different agent groups and I listen to people complain when they get a VA, just like they do when they make a bad hire, you know, of somebody who, who puts in an application or turns in a resume off yeah. the streets. So I, I wonder, like, I feel like the agents by and large view VAs as a fix, like catch all, fix everything. Like they, they, like somehow they're pre-programmed to know everything about the insurance industry, every operating, uh, every management system, every CRM, like, yeah. and then, then they're, then they're, they're completely floored when the, the person walks in and they actually still need to be coached in <laughs> constructive criticism and be given yeah. a work list for the day and all of that stuff. And so I would think that it would make all the sense in the world, even if it was an expense born on the agency side of the house to treat that person just like they would any other applicant for a job. Because to me, tell me if I'm wrong, but the things that you're assessing are universally applicable. It doesn't matter what part of the world you live in. It's yeah. it, it's likely character traits and work ethic and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. 
And so I, I, and I only hesitate because I don't know like 100%, but I would imagine that we do that with, with our, the ones that we interview. We've had zero turnover on our Savital VAs. So we just keep adding. We started with one and, and now we've got four. So Wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think that if the if, if people are remote, um, you know, or VAs or whatever, that you would especially want to kind of have an idea of some of the, the traits they possess if they're not yeah. going to be, you know, sitting there in the office with you on a daily basis. Right. That's and my perspective. Do, see, like we have them on, we have meetings Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with our team virtually. We've got, again, I said 26 employees, but it's only me and our sales director and my brother's in and out between here and his house. Um, everyone else is remote. And so, but our VAs, all of them, we don't even call them VAs, but we they're all on, they're a part of our team. So it's, uh, it, they're awesome. Like we really, we really enjoy them. They're fantastic. Nice. So what do you see next for Ideal Traits as you guys continue to expand what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, you really, you kind of caught us at a moment where we just deployed, we've been working for a year to 18 months on those two projects. Um, the candidate engagement, which we used, you know, Sabatel for that, it's been a year. And then the video interviews, we just deployed all that. One really cool tool, this is just a small little thing that's going to be on our site soon, is the producer ROI calculator. Um it's mind uh, almost mind blowing about how much money that an agent can get over time when they hire somebody. And so we could plug in the numbers and somebody writes 30 items a month, 40 items a month, average premium, pay them the salary and take it out. So we, we run the tape out eight years, just as a, I don't know why eight, but we chose eight and the crazy, the numbers, what it will return for the agency. So, and then you look at what if they only stayed for three years, right? And I think a lot of agencies, you know, sometimes have that mindset of, hey, I'm getting paid 12%. How can I pay 13% if I'm getting 12? Well, you get paid nine more times. <laughs> You're getting paid nine times, right? And so, Somebody saves three years and you run the tape for eight years and you actually make more the fourth year because you have no salary and the revenue is still there. And yeah, you got to pay a CSI, CSR or a virtual assistant to cover it. Um, but it's been a really great eye-opening tool to let agents know, yes, you can afford to hire. Like there's this bucket of money that's, that's a truckload behind you after every policy they sell. Um, so that's been a really good... Uh, tool to help agencies see that. Nice. You gave a pretty good success story, uh, you know, for the guy who came in and didn't have any experience except for McDonald's and then bought three agencies. Like what's been the most rewarding thing for you going through this journey? I think you hit the, I mean, I, I don't know how I could top that. I mean, I do love being able to share, um, you know, everybody's got their unique um, you know, value proposition that they bring. And it's our duty to share that and help, help. And, you know, just to know that agencies are struggling with this tough thing of hiring 
and to be able to play a part and to help them out. Like, I mean, how good is it to hire somebody great? Like, it's such an awesome feeling mm-hmm. knowing like you got a good one. Um, yeah, it's not just the assessment. I, mean, I get that. I'm not, I'm not telling that. I'm just saying more information is more important than less. And that ultimately doesn't everything really just come down to value. What, whatever you buy your whole life, this coin, right? You know, at a thousand bucks, you don't buy the coin. Or I'm sorry, at a thousand bucks, you buy the coin, two, three. And I don't want to get into, I, I don't know the number. At 10 grand, let's just say you buy the coin, 20 you buy it. But at 40, you say no. So there's this level of, does it make sense? If Ideal Trace was free, then everybody would use it. Why wouldn't you get free? And if it was a million dollars, then you'd say, well, no, not worth it. So it's just this balance of value. And I think that we've come up with a price that, you know, it's about $1,000, give or take a year for unlimited assessments, unlimited job ads, that it's like, if you, you hire one bad, if we help you one time, eliminate somebody to get into your office, we could argue all day long, 15 grand, 20 grand, it saves you 30. Maybe it makes you because you hire one, you know? So you can't get me to, I I just feel so strongly about it, obviously, but it's right down to the core. I know we're helping people. What would you say the biggest challenge has been? Um, Biggest challenge. Because I got to believe word of mouth is your best friend. Once an agency gets you in and it works and they've had that McDonald's to agency ownership story, they're going to tell everybody they possibly can about it. And the, um, get a water. (laughs) I know the feeling. (laughs) I took this small mint and (laughs) got stuck. (laughs) But I'd say the biggest challenge is when we do a great job they fire us. Yeah. Right? We found the right employee. So we fire you. We'll call yeah. you next time. And our thought is like, listen, you don't know about the next employee that might be leaving and always prepare yourself. So always be hiring. And, you know, of course, you know, the top 20% of agents, they get it. They've been on it for 10 years in a row. Every single year, though, they keep buying because they just understand the value of it. But it's not a one and done forever. So they can do it, you know, three months and they did it. I'm hired, I'm good. It's like, okay. And then they buy another 90-day package in six months because somebody else moved out and they do it again. It's like, you know, the annual package is the best deal. So we we do a great job and we end up firing ourselves. <laughs> I don't need to renew. I'm good. I'm full. So yeah, it's interesting though. I don't, you know, I I would advise the people out there that are firing you at a thousand dollar a year rate, like why? <laughs> know. You know why? I mean, you should be hiring and interviewing people whether you need people right now or not. Like the best hires are the ones you make when you when you find the right candidate, not necessarily when you need that person. And so I think too many times we're running on such lean budgets that we don't have the flexibility to do that. And I think that's what makes the agencies that are more financially sound and positioned for growth 
have a huge leg up on the other people is because like, I can tell you right now, I hired a young lady three months ago that doesn't even start till August, but I made the offer because I knew that that was the time I needed to make the offer to get her. And she was exactly the correct person for, for the job because we created the job based on her skill set. Like I told her coming out of college, I'm like, you've got a dream job. She goes, how do you know? I said, cause you and I get to build it. Like we can make it whatever we want it to be. And it's going to be awesome for you, but I want to go ahead and get this locked up now because I know everybody else is going to be interviewing you before you graduate. Yeah. Really smart. Yeah. I mean, it's thinking ahead. It's, you know, knowing that if you, if that perfect person walks in, like you should build down to your office, you should, you could expand, you know, yep. Figure well, it even out. with our VPs, man, our VPs from Savital, you, you know, they've probably figured this out about me by now, so they do it on purpose. But every time I'm an interview for something I'm looking to fill, I talk to three people. I don't yeah. think there's been a time yet that I don't hire two of the three. I never yeah. walk away just hiring one because I'm always impressed with more than one, and I yeah. can't make up my mind as to which one I think is going to be better for right now. So I go ahead and hire both of them so that I can get both of them training and up to speed because this is the one thing I do know, especially hiring virtual professionals. And I also prefer to hire people who don't have industry experience. I want to build them from the ground up. That's just a personal preference of mine. Not even as much because of the bad habits things as anything else. It has more to do with the fact I have a chip on my shoulder because I don't feel like the industry gives outsiders a good opportunity to come in. And I know that because I was told no by 12 agencies before number 13 hired me. And so I always said, when I started my own eight, when I start my own agency, I will give people an opportunity that other people aren't willing to. And most of it has to do with the fact agencies don't have that system in place to nurture the team member when they bring them in. They don't have a good print training program. There's no way to bring them along. And so, you know, I said, screw that. That's not how we're going to operate. We're going to bring these people in. We're going to give them the resources they need. We're going to get the training that they need. We're going to run them through it. And we're going to be patient within reason for them to get up to speed and be ready to do their job. All that to say, you can't take, I don't care what virtual assistant, virtual professional company you have out there. There is not a single one that you can take a team member from that company, put them into your agency's operational culture and have them know exactly what to do day one. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if they've used Hawksoft for their entire time they've been working in an agency. They don't know how your Hawksoft is set up. They don't know what your expectations are. They don't know what reports you review. And so there's always going to be that learning curve. And specifically, when we're teaching them new skill sets, like we've got, we've got a bunch. I'll leave it at that. I think we have nine now. So we have we have a bunch of them that that do work with us. Um, Anything from video editing to putting information into Hawksoft on our behalf. And all of that. But I know how long it takes to get one of them from ground zero all the way up to where they're at. And it takes a lot of patience. But I have a theory on that. And that is that when we get those people up and they're clicking on all cylinders, it's going to be a whole lot easier for me to get the other ones because now they've got people that are working with them that have already been through the system. And so that'll make it a lot easier for the newer people as we bring them on to learn because they're not going to have to have, they're not going to have the same learning curve that the original group did. But I'm honestly always like, I've already got it plotted out from now till the end of the year that I'm going to keep adding bodies because we need them. And Mm -hmm. I'd rather go ahead and bring them in 
get them into the training ecosystem so that they're learning and getting up to speed. And that way they will thrive when they're ready. Instead, what we do is we look for a VA as a Band-Aid. We view it as cheap labor. We don't train them. We don't follow up and give them constructive criticism and coaching. And then we blame them when they fail. We don't take any responsibility. It's either the VA's fault or the VA company's fault. Yet they they, they, they were hired by an agency who had no processes and procedures in place, no training program, no accountability, and no real leadership. But somehow it's the other person's fault, right? So- that's that's my main reason why I like to bring people in before I need them is I know that there's a, a runway for training that has to be like you can only you can only shorten that so much. Totally agree. I mean, again, I think that kind of goes back to once we've got the right ingredients. I mean, training training is going to be number one. We train every day in our agencies every morning. They're eight thirty. The phones turn out at nine. We were doing video meetings, um, so I'm a massive because it, it it's you you have to be engaged with your people you got to teach them train them role play role play role play role play but yeah we did a lot of you know when somebody's buying insurance they see again it goes back to the value is exceeding the price that it's worth it and if they tell you no every single time what they're saying is the value does not exceed the price so you got to build more value into it. How do you do it? Got to build it into the policy, make it worthwhile. So we did a lot with liability. You know, we did half a million liability was our was our minimum, and we instantly against other policies who at 100, 300. It's like this is five times more valuable. You know, so do you want to have? If you have your choice of people, usually won't pay less for less coverage. It's like, right. I don't want less coverage. And if it's the same and it's the same price, why switch? But they will pay more for better coverage. Yeah. And that's how we grew our agency. It was all built on that is we're gonna be, if we're gonna be higher and if we're lower, great. I mean, no big deal. It's still gonna be a better policy. But if we're higher, then I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be higher and I'm gonna add and make it a whole lot more beneficial to them in the right way, of course, knowing what their needs are, like covering them properly. Most are not covered properly. Agreed. Yeah. We just talked about it in sales meeting today. Sure. So listen, we've been going for about almost an hour now. What have we missed? Shoot. I'd love to know more about you. Tell me about your agency. Um, we have just shy of 20 people right now, probably a little more than 50% virtual professionals. Um, we're middle market commercial. Um, we try and stay at hundred thousand and up in premium. Personally, I like to be at 250 to 500,000 in premium is where our value proposition plays the best. Very consultative in our selling process. We focus on operations, uh, as well as key performance indicators and benchmarking. And we like dirty accounts. We want the people that have gotten themselves in a pickle and they need us to help them get out. And we do that and typically have a client for life. That's awesome. What city are you in? Tampa. Okay. Yeah. I'm flying in there Sunday, 11 a.m. Oh yeah. You're driving down to Marco from here. Yeah. Well, so my son's at a golf camp at IMG. Okay. Taking him there. I drop him off on Sunday and then me and my daughter and her friend are going to drive down to Marco and then I'll drive 
back to Tampa and leave out of there. So we typically obviously go out to RSW. There you go. Yeah. Sweet. How do people get in touch with you, man? What's that? Yeah. How, how do people, how do people get how in touch with you? Oh yeah. Um, well, uh, idealtraits.com is the site www.ideal like ideal and then traits.com. Um, and my email is Kevin at ideal traits.com. So Kevin at ideal traits, easy enough. And shoot, if somebody even wants to talk insurance, I'll be bold enough. I'll give you my cell phone number because I love it. I just have a passion for insurance and helping people. And so if somebody's got a question on hiring, no, no, just love handing out it. that cell. Do it, man. You know what, David? How many people have you have you guys given your phone numbers and you're like, I'll help you. Like I will. And they just like, all right, I got it. And they just don't. So just throw that out as a. Uh, most as most people honestly don't call me, even though I give it to them. Yeah, they don't. And it's mm -hmm. like, come on. Like, so to me, it's easy to do because I know my phone probably won't ring. And if it does, I compliment them. And I'm like, I'll spend time with them. No, no nothing. No, no strings attached. You there want to you talk go. about building value? I'll talk to you about that. That's cool. So um, I'll set one time. You get it. You get to pay attention. <laughs> I guess I could rewind. 248 there you go, people. Yeah. Text talk me Adam. Give me an introduction. <laughs> tell me who you are and let's set up. Let's talk. Absolutely. Out of state numbers, good. I probably won't answer, but if you just text ahead and give me a little bit and a couple one-liners and set something up. Happy to help. All right. Cool deal. Well, listen, we appreciate you taking time to come on, man. It, um, I think it makes all the sense in the world and, I like the way that, that this whole profiling has evolved over the years from, from some of the older school stuff to some of the newer stuff. So I appreciate what you're doing to drive change and specifically ensure in the insurance industry. I think that staffing is something that always has been a problem. It will probably always continue to be a need yeah. uh, at some level. You know, like you said, I don't think we're ever going to get to completely outsourced labor, but how we intelligently hire can change. Like that's a decision that we all have the ability to make. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with going out there and finding, you know, data or science that helps you find that right person as opposed to your gut. Cause your gut can be wrong, but it's pretty rare that these profiles are. So yeah. with that, we're going to wrap up, cool. get ready for the next one, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks. Great meeting you guys. Yes, sir. You yep. too. We'll talk soon. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.